Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. I'm very happy to be sitting here with Nina Green. Nina is a 30-something married woman, mother of one daughter, Ruthie. And her unique story is really that she spent all of her life morbidly obese. She's 5'4". She was tipping 300 pounds. It was a, a very, very long period of time where she didn't actually realize that she was so overweight and and maybe she wasn't happy about it. It really took her husband, who was also morbidly obese, to decide to do a sleeve gastrectomy. It's a surgery where essentially they cut half the stomach out. You're full sooner. So, okay, Nina, take us back and tell us what it was like to be 300 pounds and 5'4". Sure. Um, So first of all, thank you for having me. It's an interesting journey, I would say. You know, looking back at life, I was a pretty happy kid, friends. I, you know, was on every sports team. I was captain of my swim team, president of Rutgers Hill in my university. Um, I never let weight stop me, but it was definitely something that was there behind the scenes, meaning I wasn't totally aware of the fact that there was a weight issue. Dare I even say the word fat? Because that's like the F word to say. The F word. The F word. Did you call yourself fat? Never. Did you think of yourself as fat? No. When you looked in the mirror and you saw yourself, what did you say? I saw the features that I was proud of. I saw my face, which I thought was beautiful. I saw my chest, my boobs. I got great boobs. I was super happy with that. Um, I really owned whatever I had. So instead of looking at the flaws, I looked at what I loved about me. And that's what I chose to love. So the weight, the weight did not really bother you at the, at the, at the onset, sort of maybe from the outside. I mean, there has to be no 15, 14, 13 year old girl wants to be morbidly obese. I mean, junior high is just hard enough, but to be morbidly obese in junior high, I have to wonder that that really must have been difficult. So one would think, but I think I was one of those people that's maybe the exception to the rule where I really was friends with everybody and I made my experience my experience. And, you know, there was only one situation in all of high school where a kid made fun of me in my class. And my English teacher basically slapped him upside the head and sent him straight to the principal's office and yelled at him. People had my back and I felt it. And I, again, I didn't let it define me. I think if anything, I sort of pushed through and said, I am who I am. This is how God created me. This is my body and I'll accept it. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know that there was another opportunity or that there's another way I could look because this is who I was. This is what I was. This is what I looked like and I accepted it. So is there some part of you that thinks it was sort of like a a moral high ground? Hey, I can be morbidly obese and still be captain of the cheerleading squad. I can can be morbidly obese and be a contender on the swim team. I can be morbidly obese and I can have a boyfriend. Absolutely. I think you're as strong as your mental capacity allows it. And I was raised 
raised in a family where the sky's the limit. I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I never felt that there were limitations. And I think some choose to say that weight is a limitation for themselves. And I looked at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to showcase, yeah, you can still be the captain of the swim team and be twice the size of any of the other girls on the team. So was there ever a time in your life where you thought, shit, I'm really fat? That's a good question. Well, I would have never dared to use the F word, but right. <laughs> I, I'm really thick. I would say curvy, but no, I don't think so. I think I really just accepted who I was. I will say that's actually not true. I will say that coming to Israel, pretty eye opening for me. I think maybe in New York, there's this unspoken word that, you know, you are, you are, you do you. And that's that. And people leave you alone. Israel, for better or for worse, uh, everyone's business is everyone's business. Oh, I know that. Yes. And I think that when I was 18 and I came to spend a year in Israel, within the first week of me being here, I heard a little kid in Hebrew say, wow, is a shmina. And basically he was saying how fat I was. I had never actually heard anyone say that to my face, to me, around me. That was a very weird experience. And I was mortified. So, so that bothered you. Yeah. So that was the first time you were 18 years old and that's the first first time somebody you felt shame or something about the, your size. Yeah. And not only that, everybody who I was with had no idea what the kid had said. <laughs> I understood it. And to me, it was like, whoa, can't believe that this little kid said that. And then I started to question, well, what are his parents teaching him? Uh, fast forward many years later, it's a cultural difference. I think living in New York, I saw a lot of women and men who look like me. It was very easy to get plus size clothing. And I cared about what I wore. I didn't just wear, you know, schmatas. I wore nice designer clothing, Calvin Klein, you name it. They all came in plus size. Right. And I took pride in how I looked. I got my nails done, my hair done, makeup, you name it. And so you, it, nothing stopped you. No. I mean, you, you, you didn't feel overweight and you felt like every other pretty girl in high school. You know, you, you took care of yourself, you were coiffed, you were whatever, but it, the weight didn't bother you. And that's kind of fascinating to me that a young young girl could be so heavy and yet not see that. And I wonder how you pulled that off. So if I'm being very honest with myself, I think fast forward many years later, I think that I was probably lying to myself a good part of my childhood. You know, I had convinced myself I'm just like everyone else. I'm healthy, just like everybody else. And yes, the scale and the number on the scale says something very different. But I didn't have medication. For all intents and purposes, was healthy. I worked out. I ate whatever I wanted to, and I was happy. But I think, looking back, I understand now that I wasn't healthy, but I was trying to convince myself that I was. Yeah. So you met your husband, Dan, and he was also very, very heavy. Yes. And and it was at his urging that you and he together have the surgeries so that you could then support each other. So what had happened was we had gotten married in 2016. We actually just just celebrated our five year anniversary. Right after we had gotten married, a few months later, we actually did a huge honeymoon where we did Singapore, Australia, New Zealand and Hong Kong, which was an amazing trip. And when we came back from the trip, my husband finally told me that he had actually been experiencing chest pains the entire time we were abroad. And I sort of nicely let him know, hey, we're married. <laughs> this is something you're supposed to tell your partner. Real time, Real. not 
not yeah. like a month and a half after right. the fact. Wow. And at that point, I told him he needs to go to my doctor, who I loved. So he switched over to my doctor and immediately made an appointment. And it turned out that his blood pressure was through the roof. Basically, he was having all the signs of a heart attack. He, at the time, was 32. So, And, and how overweight was he? Extremely overweight. I mean, morbidly obese. I think his heaviest was about 150 kilo. So that's like wow. 350. 2.2 pounds to the kilo. Wow. Yeah. So quite large. The doctor put him on all those types of medication, which they don't really give to someone who's under 60. And wow. he was taking all of that. And our doctor really urged my husband at the time to say, listen, in order to fix these problems, I'm really going to recommend doing the sleeve gastrectomy, the sleeve surgery, because it's known that yes, it'll help you lose weight, but it'll also address the medical issues that you're facing. Which were all weight related. Correct. Sleep apnea, the snoring. I did not love the snoring, especially in the beginning of our marriage. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, please get the surgery, honey. Um, and then our doctor, Dr. Cordovani had said, listen, the only way it's really going to work is if you convince your wife to do it with you and you do this journey together. And the minute that Dan approached me and said, this is what happened and this is the story, I said, I'm on board. I didn't even question it. Wow. And and so you, he went first or you went first with the surgery? So strategically, he went first. He is a little bit nervous when it comes to needles, things related to the hospital. And I'm a control freak. So I wanted to be able to see everything and anything that was going to be happening. And he doesn't want to see any of that. So that was actually a good setup. So he did it two weeks before me. And then I did it two weeks later. And what was the recovery like? Well, for him, it was a much longer process. I could also say that's maybe man flu. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it takes them a little bit longer to get back on their feet. Yeah. For me, within a few hours, I was up and dancing. Oh, come on. <laughs> There's a video to prove it. I promise. You were up and dancing after yeah. a few hours? Mm-hmm. And within two days time, I was totally fine. I was uncomfortable, but I was fine. I think Dan and I were very lucky. We didn't have any adverse reactions. We were great. And then how long did it take before you started losing lots of weight? So that is an interesting question. Men, I don't know if you know this, but oh. men tend to lose weight in like a blink of an That's eye. So annoying. Yeah. They just breathe, diet, and then boom, boom, boom. done. LB has gone. Basically. So that was very annoying because Dan was like losing weight left, right and center. And I had been losing weight, but everybody was complimenting him. And meanwhile, I had lost about 30 kilos and no one had said anything at the time. So that's wow. like 70, 80 pounds. And no one said a thing. No one noticed you lost no. like a whole backstage boy or backbeach <laughs> boy or whatever that, that yeah. is. So no one, no one said anything. And even more so, you know, he just kept losing the weight. And then eventually he flew back to New York and my dad took him to Brooks Brothers, may it rest in peace, and took him out and bought him a whole new wardrobe. Wow. And I'm sitting in Israel being like, this sucks. And I'm super competitive as a person in general. And that was really frustrating to see that he was losing all this weight. And you guys had done the same surgery and were eating the same way. Basically, yeah. And he was dropping pounds. Yeah. But you know, six, 60 pounds that you lost is not nothing. Not nothing, but it was really tough. And that was in the beginning. I will say I won the war. So as in those little battles, okay, he may have won those. But at the end, I ended up losing more than him. And it took me a lot longer, meaning it took him about six months, seven months to lose the majority of the weight that he needed to lose. It took me a little over a year and a half to do about the same. Wow. And you've been able to keep the weight off? Also a great question. Pretty much until I fell pregnant and 
And then even in the beginning of my pregnancy, I actually lost weight because I was being so mindful and so careful about what I was putting in my body and just, you know, really trying to be overly mindful. And then Corona Mm. and six months of pregnancy. And all of a sudden I was craving carbs. I hadn't craved carbs in three years. Wow. And let me ask you just uh, as a sidebar, can you eat whatever you want with leave gastrectomy or are you limited to certain kinds of food? What you're meant to be eating is a lot of proteins and veggies, which is generally healthier for you. Drinking lots of water, super important. Having said that, you can eat everything. Again, it's in portions and some people could eat more, some people could eat less. It depends on if you've stretched out your stomach. I thought they cut part of the stomach off. So they do, but it's still an organ. So even if they've cut your stomach, it still can stretch back out. Oh, yeah. Well, that sucks. It does. It definitely does. So if you eat like a large pizza, you've got a... Kinda. I mean, I would say also that it it takes time for it to stretch back out. You know, the portions and what I could eat in the very beginning of the surgery, I would say it's, you know, comparable to an infant, right? So an infant, when they have a brand new stomach, it doesn't fit much, right? They can't have that much in there. So they have a bit of liquid, right? Breast milk, that's about it. The colostrum, especially in the beginning. And then they can have a bit more milk. And then later on, they could have some soft foods, some mushed up veggies, right? And that's basically what we did. Okay. you sort of build it up as your stomach sort of grows and you know you sort of regain or or build your stomach again but it sounds like a lot of it is self-control like post-surgery because you have to be I would imagine very aware every single meal every single day of your life what you're putting in your stomach so I think that there is just like anything I think there are different extremes I think some people can be less obsessive and some people can be more obsessive I think pre-surgery there were a lot of things that went into it. It's not just doing the surgery and you're done. I think the surgery was probably the easiest part out of everything that we did, looking back and especially even during the process. The therapy, that's probably, I think, the most important and I'll talk a lot about that, which I think is probably the most overlooked element and it's the most important. Everything related to weight loss is a mind game. It's really just getting your mindset. It's not about losing weight and it's not about looking and feeling better. That's that's the nice thing that comes out of it. But what really is important is you're making a lifestyle change. You're changing your lifestyle for the better. And once you sort of have that mindset, then it helps with the whole process. Because I I don't know about you, but I've heard many, many people in my life, I'll be happy as soon as I lose those 10 pounds. You're not going to be happy. The happiness comes from something else. It's not about the 10 pounds. You might like how you fit in your dress, but it's not about that. So going back to the question that I asked you earlier, you were feeling very comfortable in your skin, in your large body. You were very comfortable with it. Yes. So how does that work? You were comfortable with it. And yet deep down, you also said that you only did headshots when you look back on the photos that were taken. So maybe if you dig below the surface a little bit, maybe you weren't as comfortable as you remember yourself being. Yeah. And I think it's only something that I've understood recently that I think I was really trying to convince myself that I was happy. I think I was trying to convince myself that I can do anything and everything. And I still believe a lot of that is true. And I do believe that majority of my childhood was extremely happy. But when I looked back at some of the pictures that I found, I really noticed that I highlighted what I wanted to see and what I wanted others to see. And I really didn't focus on anything else. So I didn't see any full body shots of myself. And 
And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, deep down, I probably wasn't as comfortable as I was making myself out to be. And I do remember even when I was a junior in high school and we had a weekend retreat to the Catskills. And I remember that there was a huge room and all the kids my age are all sitting around. And the, the easiest way to get from point A to point B, straight line, right? Which meant that I had to cut through the entire room, but I didn't want to have all eyes on me. And so I walked the periphery of the room. And I just remember that and being like, why did I do that? And wow. Yeah. That stuck with you. How old were you? I was 16. Okay. So that memory stuck with you a long time mm-hmm. that you didn't want to call attention to yourself. Yeah. You've had the surgery. Dan's had the surgery. You leave a very, you lead a very active life. You have a seven, eight month old newborn. 11. 11. Time Ruthie, flies. Ruthie's, <laughs> Ruthie's 11. Okay. Yes. If you had it to do all over again, would you get the surgery? And would you get the surgery in your 30s? Or would you have done it when you were 16? I definitely would do the surgery. I'm super happy with with everything. Makes my life easier. I thought that it was normal that every single day when I came home that my feet hurt. I thought that was normal because that's how it always was. Until I lost the weight, I all of a sudden realized, oh, that wasn't actually normal. There were probably a lot of things that outwardly you just assumed everybody was feeling. Yeah. And I think I also didn't necessarily realize how much brain power and energy I was using while I was thinking about weight. It was there. It was on my mind. I just wasn't really aware because it sort of became second nature. Like that was the only thing I knew. I would sit on a bus and I would think, oh, this person's not going to sit next to me because I'm spilling over into the other seat. Mm. But the way that I flipped it was, great, I've got two seats to myself. So your coping style seems sort of the glass is half full. But again, I think if we dig down a little bit deeper, we'd probably see that you were maybe a sad young girl, like feeling bad about your size and maybe what people were saying about you. And you chose to define yourself as a limitless person that the weight has no bearing on your abilities. But maybe that maybe that had to do with the fact that I didn't want other people to define me. I wanted to define myself. And I think that having other people say, oh, you're fat or you're obese or you're not pretty. I thought I was pretty. I thought I was confident and people were confused by it. People didn't understand what to do with me because I didn't fit in a box. And even now, I think post-surgery when I, I went to a group therapy session, two of them actually, and I realized that I was very different than everyone else because I was hearing all these stories about how they haven't gone to the beach in 15 years because they didn't feel comfortable. And I was a lifeguard. I chose the one career that you had to be in a bathing suit. On the one hand, you seem to have this unbelievable bulletproof confidence. And on the other hand, deep down, you probably didn't feel that for yourself inside, but that's the armor that you wanted to show the world. I mean, I'm making this stuff up. I have no idea. But what 300 pound young lady is a lifeguard? That's a very unusual choice of summer intern job. (laughs) Definitely. I really think that it made me have pretty thick skin. Again, I was happy to define who I wanted myself to be. No one else could tell me who I was because I was making that. What, you can't be a leader? You can't date? You can't be pretty? You can't get your hair done? You can't wear nice clothing? It's all BS. I think happiness comes from within. And as I said before, and I stand by my words, happiness isn't coming from weight loss, right? Happiness is coming from within and who you are. And therapy was amazing. And I would tell anyone who's ever considering to do weight loss surgery, do the work first. It's really helpful to think about why you do the things you do, right? It's all habits. It's all things that you've picked up over life. And I would say even more so that you don't become a healthy person just because you did the surgery. And being morbidly obese, I'm still the same person. And actually what's interesting is when I did therapy, I realized that I actually had what's called an unhelpful thinking thought. Thank you, CBT. Tell me more. So 
So it's when you kind of play this what if game in your brain or you sort of tell yourself like the disaster scenario before anything actually even happened. And it's just, it's not helping any situation. So it's just sort of like these thoughts that enter your brain and you're like, how is this helpful, right? It's not helping you. It's not, if anything, it's just hurting you and there's, it's just unhelpful. <laughs> so you, so you did the therapy, you had the surgery yeah. and you look amazing. I'm thank you. super inspired and super impressed. Thank you. Thank and you. we hope you stay healthy on the inside, healthy on the outside for many years to come. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey, I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.